everyone, and welcome to Scene Partners. This is our podcast, and here we are. <laughs> you know, every single time we start this thing off, we we say say it weird, and then we laugh at it. You think people expect it now? Maybe. Maybe it's just us immediately right out the gate saying, hey, welcome to Scene Partners. We think we're hilarious. <laughs> we're disarming. And you can hear it from us just introducing ourselves. Maybe. Like, this is, this is going to be a good time. We're just two guys that are laughing <laughs> right from the beginning. This is great. I love how high your voice progressively got. I don't know what my problem is, but I think I'm having some problems today. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know because I don't have an excuse for it because honestly, today has just been the absolute easiest day that I've probably ever experienced. Mm-hmm. I haven't really been called upon to do anything super responsible. I just basically had to do the bare minimum to succeed and I'm still like salty. <laughs> just like me, me, like me. Theaters are opening back up. Maybe your cynical nature is coming back out. No, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> you went through a whole therapy session how last dare time. You like, all, right, all right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> why do you feel like you feel this way, Cody? Uh, well, you're definitely not helping my saltiness. Okay, so I, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> I will leave. What if we just? What, this is this is our breakup. Our breakup podcast, <laughs> where you like storm out. Hello, everyone. We're announcing that we're ending this friendship. <laughs> this is uh, over. We're still going to do the podcast, but <laughs> we're just uh, going to be seen partner and release two episodes, 30 minutes long. I, I don't know what it's, it's been, but just today has just been off for me in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I am being a, 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 a tinge negative. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what it is. I am trying to figure out, like, you know, all of these. I I feel like I have so much running around in my head right now as far as what we're about to do. And I think it's because we're on the precipice of things going back to somewhat normal and then being like, okay, so we're doing these shows and we're getting things lined up for it now. And now it's real. And in a way, do I remember how to do this? Do I like, is this going to be okay? Should we plan out more shows? And then it's also kind of strange too, because we're not just planning for play on, but yeah. we're also thinking about stuff that we can do for our local community at the community theater that's here. And just like all of these shows and then budgets and the fact that lumber and everything in the world that has anything to do with a project is 300% markup. Oh, yes. And is so expensive. So it's like, okay, so everything I do is now on an extreme budget, even more than it was before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. I just have a lot going on in my brain. I think I think now we're going to start feeling the effects of the, the supply chains from uh, yeah. COVID lockdown. I don't think we felt them as much last year because we were still kind of living off of that, you know, 2019 kind of supply chains. And I think this year with, you know, a lot of factories and things were closed down too. I think that people don't realize. Well, but when I was hearing, like somebody said to me the other day that it was because they were saying that the, um, because of COVID and people staying home, that wood is so expensive because people were doing a whole lot more home-based projects. And so they've bought out the supply and they've been having a hard time 
of resupplying because of that. Hmm. And I just, I don't know. I haven't looked any of that up. Yeah. But it seems like almost possible to like, I could almost believe it. Well, it, it could be possible because, you know, the argument I hear a lot of times nowadays, and I know this is a little more serious, but people talking about the the rise in fuel costs here in America and, you yes, know, but that was, was because of Texas. Yeah, well, <laughs> not just because of Texas. That was a huge part of it. They, was they're was talking the about structure. Well, Texas. you know, last year it was so cheap, and this year it's so expensive. And I, and it's like, well, you have to look at what was happening. And there was a surplus. Yeah, there was there was a surplus. It went negative. There were no planes flying last year at yeah. all. And now all of a sudden the world opens back up, and that surplus immediately diminishes. And we have to. Hey, the demand is very high. The supply. Is starting to dwindle a little bit, mm-hmm. and then you gotta. Uh, I I just p- people are want to complain in any event if something isn't going like if something doesn't go right in their direction then it's like everything is because of that thing so it's it's like oh we had you know wh- whatever side you were on politically whoever would have won the presidency if you were on the opposing party then this is going to be because of the election if yeah it's bad you know it's just yeah. It's just the way that people's minds are. I just, I don't know. I, um, but I do, I am excited to have all of these new ideas flowing around. Like, and Lexi and I were talking the other day and, um, I think just because she's heard me say about redesigning and she asked why I needed to redesign these things, like why I was stressing about it. Yeah. And I think it's just, I I was thinking about that and, one of the reasons for the set, you know, just in the event that we're not going to do it in the theater that we had planned on because we ended up reserving two theaters just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also in a way of being like, you know what, I've thought about it some more and I think this would work better. And, you know, spacing is different for your audience size and all of that. And you just want to make sure that you're doing it to the best of the of your ability. And also, I I think it's me kind of changing my mindset of being like, all right, the times are different. This is the same show, but it is different. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make it interesting for myself again. Like, I can't remember, like, whenever I designed this show, I don't remember why I chose these things. Yeah. Like, what it was that sparked, like, why did I need the tree in the middle of the stage on the first design? And I, I can't think of it. As to why. And so I'm like, well, I must not need it. Yeah. <laughs> if it was just like, a, ooh, wouldn't that be cool? You know, if it, I I think I've moved so far away from the wouldn't it be cool thing, you know? Yeah. So it's just it's just kind of like this is what we need to tell the story most effectively. Mm-hmm. So and I mean, we have changed the theaters. So that does change the way the set is going to look. But. It's, it, I don't know. I, it, but, you know, you've grown a lot in the past year because, I mean, I know that uh, when this all began, you were sort of reeling uh, quite a bit, especially the day that you had made the decision to yeah. cancel the show altogether. And it, it it shows that, you know, let I think it's one of the things that I think that I think people that get married to these ideas of what this should be 
and how this should be, or maybe the tradition of this is how it's always been done. Yeah. I think we have to like let those things die a little bit to allow growth. It's like trimming back a, a, a plant or something in mm-hmm. the springtime to allow this new growth to happen. Right. And I think that's, I, I do think that that's a, like a huge part of it. And you don't want to be stagnant either. Like, oh, well, this is how I was going to do it. This is how I still want to do it. So this is how I have to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely don't want to take the easiest road just mm-hmm. because I already had this planned out. I don't think that it's the way that it has to be done. I think that you throw every idea at the wall and you see which one is the best and most effective. Yeah. And you, d- I do have to think about the fact that, you know, lumber is so crazy expensive right now or anything that we would want to get, you know, has an insane amount of time. Like if I were going to ship something from... I mean, I wouldn't, but if I was going to ship something from like theater effects or stage effects, you know, I, it would take like four months for it to get here. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I had to buy something for, uh, I was telling you about buying that pottery wheel Mm -hmm. and one of them is not going to show up until October. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I had a, I actually had a meeting this morning, um, at work and they were talking about basically supply chains and they were like, anything that you think is, you know, 10 to 15 days out now plan for 90 or more. Yeah. It's just constantly changing. Mm-hmm. I got an email from this company and they were like, yeah, we're going to send this, but it's not going to ship until August. And then today they sent me another email after I confirmed that the August shipment was OK. Actually, it's going to not ship until October. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? That's close. That's crazy. I ordered this two weeks ago. Yeah. I just and it's it's weird the things that it has affected and the things that it happened hasn't. Mm-hmm. Like I ordered a watch band on Amazon and it was here the next day. Yeah. I don't understand that. <laughs> it's just like Amazon was planning, you know what? Supply chains are gonna be low. <laughs> Gotta plan ahead. Let's just go on ahead and send this to Cody just in case he orders it. <laughs> yeah, they shipped it the middle of last year so that <laughs> they're just listening. They can fulfill that the much. order today, yeah. They're just listening that much. Hmm. So um, uh, all of all of this stuff to say, uh, while thinking about these shows, I have been considering the process of what it is to direct or form a season in a small community because mm-hmm. there is a science to it. And in forming a season, you know, you want those things. And I'm sure I've probably spoken a little bit about this before, but you do have to think about, you know, what shows you're going to be putting out there. So if I'm going to do like I need to do like however many shows I'm doing in a season, if I'm doing four or five shows in a season, you'd say um, I'm going to need to do a comedy. I'm going to need to do uh, something more contemporary and then like a kid show or a family musical, something that's going to bring in the money that's going to pay for the stuff we want to do. Yeah. And so you're you're trying to like position those in a season to where they work and they make sense but you also have to think about your talent pool whereas in a large community and you have a lot of people vying for roles and you don't have to necessarily worry about it you choose the shows you want because you're interested in directing them and you just know that somebody is going to show up that's going to fit yeah but in a smaller community it's different so when you read a script like in a small community, like when you, Cody, read a script, are you also thinking about who you would cast in roles? I, def- yes. Whenever I, I read it or I listen to it, if it's a musical, 
I'm definitely thinking, who do I have that I know is reliable and is in my back pocket that would be in the show? Yeah. But what I'm interested in is what, because I, I think those things, but then I also think, you know, I'm hopeful to be surprised. Yeah. But I think that whenever you're doing it, you have to kind of almost, you, you have to know that you can cast it mm-hmm. before you choose it because you have no guarantee that you're going to get a surprise that shows <laughs> yeah, walks through true. the door. You're just like banging your head against the wall. Oh my God, these people showed up. Yes. And so it's, you, you kind of want, like, you know, when we were doing, when we auditioned Mockingbird, um, which was our last audition, we had one character that we could have cast three different people in and we were banging our head up against the wall. That's a perfect scenario. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. And now, you know, when you're looking at shows, you you think, okay, I, I, as long as I get one person per role, I should be okay. But what I'm curious about is what is different what what is the difference between that and pre-casting yeah because you don't like you pre-casting almost is like a taboo thing and so i've just um, been kind of like struggling with this thing of being like well you can't expect people to come and audition for you if you pre-cast everything but but it's not pre-casting but it kind of is pre-casting yeah. i think I think maybe if you precast like a lead role or something like that, then you kind of bring them in like on the ground level when you're trying to decide on things. Like, yeah, what, I mean, if you what of this like reaches your expectations or what you can do with your talents and things mm-hmm. of that nature, maybe. I think that if you are like if you do precast something, I don't think that there's anything wrong with me saying, hey, we're going to be doing blah 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 show and chris is going to be playing this role starring mm-hmm. you know chris yeah or announcing an uh, an audition list like you know an, putting up an audition notice and then saying these are the roles that are available yeah and just not auditioning for those other parts that you've precast but you know a lot of people will say in a smaller community when they go to a show they're like oh well you know they're just going to cast these people in these parts anyway mm-hmm. And then, in, but we're auditioning for it, but they're never going to, they're going to give it to this other person. Like I've heard that so many times, <laughs> yes. not necessarily about any of our productions, but definitely, I mean, you hear it all the time. Yeah. And it sometimes it's just people that are in the same mood as I am because <laughs> they're just being it's, salty. It's so strange. The, the catty nature of like small community theater when it's like, can we just tell a story and yeah. have fun? Well, and I think also there is a little bit of, of you and I talking about this because we're two white males. And that's true. Yes. <laughs> and it's very yes. easy for us to be like, whatever. We just rolled out of bed and yeah. they were like, can you sing this? And we were like, no. no. And they were like, you would get the part anyway. <laughs> Cause there's not very many of you. <laughs> yeah. So it is hard. I'm sure it's hard whenever you're stuck in a situation where you're just constantly getting those ensemble parts and you're not, Mm-hmm. getting the shot that you deserve in a sense. But that, and I guess because I see it differently that if I'm only getting these ensemble parts, then I need to do something to step up my game. Right. Like take a class or look into, you know, voice lessons or anything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, definitely. And like, how do I, how do I get to the next level? 
there is a little bit, I think, like a, an expectation and also laziness that kind of goes into play. It's kind of like, well, why, why can't I have this role? It's like, well, what have you done to mm-hmm. work on the craft to be able to tell the story more effectively than the person who got it? Yeah. And if you have an answer for that, then we'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, like if you're if you're always getting these comedic roles and you want to do something dramatic, then you have to bring you have to show the drama. Yeah. You have to bring that emotion to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I, I'm always intrigued at how people can be very self-aware and yet have no clue at the same time. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, and I, I feel like I, I have a lot of that in me sometimes where, I, I mean, everybody does, where you think you're doing something and you're absolutely not doing that thing. And then you have to be <laughs> yes. like, wait, what do you mean I sound like an Irish pirate? <laughs> That's not yeah. at all what I was hearing. Yeah. No, you're an Irish pirate. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> And it's really hard to set let your me ego re- aside. Let though. me record you and let you listen to it. Oh, I am an Irish pirate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I need a new accent. Whoops. I mean, I just it, I've, I've just been thinking about that a lot about the what is the difference? Because in a small community, if I'm going to direct a show, I have to look at my pool yeah. of actors. And I also have to look at the people that are, you know, kind of like your diehard members that, you know, are going to show up every day. Yeah. And. Take into account something that they would also be interested in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that it should just be. I mean, yes, your director, your producer, your financial backer, whoever should have the most say because they have the most to lose. I think that that's that is a big truth. But if our goal is to tell the story, the most I mean, I would assume that is our goal is to tell the story in the most effective manner then you have to look at who you have that's going to be telling that story. Yeah. So, like, you know, we're looking at uh, this musical that I've wanted to do for a very long time that I don't think got its fair shot on Broadway, honestly. Um, And we haven't announced anything about it yet, but we're looking at it, and it calls for more guys than I can actually think of (laughs) and that i'm scared and i'm scared to be like we're gonna do this because to a certain extent you can kind of gender bend some roles and i don't have a problem doing that Mm -hmm. if you need to or but you know in a musical it's a little scarier for me because you're you need to find somebody that not only can you know like sing dance and act you you have to find somebody that does all of that, you know, not just like one person that can mm-hmm. do each of those things. It's it's all of it. They have the person has to do every single thing, not just one. And or if they can't dance, they have to at least be able to act well enough to make it a bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Me. Yes. That's what I was that's why I was looking at right at I, I, I mean I could feel you, you how got that tap you dance. Were. I don't care how many times I have to say it. You did. You got that tap dance. I won't do that again to you for a long time. I promise. Um, In your defense, you didn't do it to me the first time. I got you there. (laughs) (laughs) Lexi and I put you in that room. We were like, we were going to do this show with us. (laughs) He's supposed to be taking a break, but, you know, I'll make you some lasagna. He's fine. That that lasagna was 
It was worth it. It was like 50 pounds. Yeah, I burned it all. <laughs> in the show. Yeah, I burned it off in the show. Yeah, I didn't mean to say that I like tried to re Lexi the, just uh, now was like, <laughs> I'm going to murder that man. <laughs> so, so yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm excited about all of these shows that are bouncing around in my head. And I have been thinking a lot about casting and small community and just what the difference is between that and pre-casting. Um, but I, I'm also kind of curious about how you feel about actors who genuinely feel things on stage. So mm-hmm. I heard somebody talking about how they were upset, like their acting, their drama teacher, drama school teacher was upset with them because they just weren't getting it, that they weren't feeling it enough. And there's this song actually in a chorus line about this woman talking about an acting class and about how this person was like, you know, in this acting in this acting game, you're supposed to feel the snow and the wind and the air. And do you feel it? And all the other people in the class are saying, I feel it. I feel it. And then they're like, what about you? And she's like, I don't feel anything. It's like, I totally get that because that was me 100%. percent like, I don't. Like, yeah. if I say this, I'm completely lying. But like in a scene, when you're doing it, if you aren't genuinely feeling it, mm-hmm. are you not acting well? That's just kind of my my question for you like what how do you go on the spectrum of i guess genuine emotion or yeah i don't know yeah um you know you talking about this reminds me of two situations there where when we were doing a christmas carol and i'm watching all of these people have these heartbreaking experiences around me Mm -hmm. and i have to be so deadpan and i genuinely want to act with them I want to express these same emotions back to them to ping pong with them. But I have to be this stoic wall. And I just I I I just remember complimenting you guys and telling you how great you're doing. And it it bounces back to me, too, to be non-emotive, to be something dead and then it also reminds me of this acting class that we just did. We I had this contemporary dramatic monologue. I don't know what it's like to uh, walk away from a child. Mm-hmm. I'm not a parent and I, I don't have a kid or anything like that. And having to find something within me to emote that, to walk away from this thing that I love or this thing that I think I can walk away from, but it, it, is, it is so hard. It is so difficult. And I don't know why the the harping on, oh, you're not feeling it enough. Yeah. It has to become your truth in that moment. Like, are you truly feeling it? Yeah. Or are you creating it? Is this just, you know, for a lot of people, this is just a job. So is it just like, this is what I do? Like Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm up here. I'm acting it. I've created, I've put myself in a place where I can access these emotions and I'm telling the story the most effective way. I think the thing ultimately, I mean, I know that my examples really didn't amount to like a whole lot, but I think ultimately <laughs> what you have to do is to make sure you're not veering too far into, you know, off the road or into the median, because I think you can overact it very easily. Yeah. You can just like scream cry into oblivion and it's yes. just not. And you don't, want to, you don't want to ride 11 the entire time. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to be so insecure in it that you don't 
feel like you can do it. And I think that that's what that teacher is doing to that person. Ultimately, yeah, I think that they're definitely saying, you know, like, I don't, I don't like you're not feeling it enough. Like, I don't believe that you're like the way that I'm hearing it is that you are not genuinely experiencing these feelings a hundred percent. Wherein, if it were true, like in the example of your monologue where you're leaving your fan, like the the dad of the family is leaving, mm-hmm. it's his child and the rest of the family. You you can't genuinely feel that. It's yeah. impossible for you to genuinely feel that. And if you are, then what we saw is probably not what we would be getting because you are a different person than this actor. Exactly. Than this character, I mean. You know, so there's no way for you to genuinely feel those emotions, but you are an like that's what acting is. Yeah. Is the Lawrence the, Olivier. It's it is called quite, acting. Yeah. It is quite literally the portrayal of yeah. something. It is not it is not the exact replica of a situation. It's just it, there's no way that you're gonna get there. And that's why I don't like the feeling it thing. And I, I've heard some people talk about this before because there have been moments where I've done a show and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this show is going gangbusters and it just everything is right and like i recognize that it's going well but i also am in it Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like your 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 brain is in this weird subconscious mode where you're in two places (laughs) and you're like yeah this is like all pistons firing everybody's just emotions or and and the lines are landing and the audience is with us everybody's just kind of like all in the same brain yeah in this room and then you know like a hiccup can happen but i'm not sometimes a hiccup can happen most of the time it does <laughs> you get taken out of it because it didn't last long yeah but it is still cool this this like nirvana moment on stage um that's kind of inexplainable but you I'm not genuinely feel like if I was genuinely feeling that, then I would have no, no cognition of the audience. I would, I yeah. that wouldn't be even in my brain. I would not have the idea that I was in the show mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be anything that anybody would want to watch because <laughs> yeah. if I were genuinely feeling some of these things that I've portrayed on stage, it would be disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And it would be like, people would not want to look at that. It, you know, it, as an actor, and and I think that people oftentimes will say that, oh, well, you do the least amount of work on the stage. It's like, yes, maybe. But I also have to tap into all these other things well, off the stage. I kind of challenge that. Yes, you have to. You have The thing is, like, you're doing the show, but you also have to remember while you are acting and portraying these emotions and you're doing this in front of however many people out in the audience. Mm-hmm. That when you stand up on this particular line, you have to walk over and you have to hit this light switch. And when you, if you don't do that, then the light board operator is not going to get his cue and that the lights are going to change. And if the lights don't change, then this rest of the scene doesn't make any sense. And if yes. you don't walk over towards, if you don't walk over to the bar, then the phone on stage left is not going to ring because you walking over there is going to give the sound cue or give the cue to the sound guy to ring the telephone. And if yeah. the telephone, I mean, it just like, all of those it things. cascades into every, this big travesty. That's why like, I don't like it when people say that you're doing the least. Like Everyone is literally yes. doing the most. Every I didn't, single I didn't person. mean to take you on that tangent. No, I yes. know. I just kind of like launched in because this is also <laughs> another thing that I've been thinking about. <laughs> um, but it does like 
every single person has to do so much to make those things happen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times I feel like as an actor, because I've been up there and I've been on both sides of the of the aisle, as it were, and it, it's all just as much work. But I feel like as an actor, it feels like it's all resting on your shoulders. Yeah, because you're kind of like the captain of the ship in that moment. You mm-hmm. are the one that everyone is looking at. Yeah. Yes. I just don't know that I have to quote unquote because there have been times when I'm in the in a performance, I'm doing this thing, and I don't necessarily feel it. Yeah. But it it's like whatever the energy is of the audience or whatever energy that we've created on the stage, I try to match that maybe. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't have to be this complete fallout. It can be exactly what it needs to be. Like with this like with the Scrooge thing. Um, you know, oftentimes when the love interest of Scrooge, young Scrooge would walk off, um, you know, there's this heartbreaking moment. And while I don't know what it's like to turn off all emotions, it is making that decision in that moment to shift, to go the other side. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there's no, there is not, a, and I know I joke a lot about being a robot, but there's not any, any instance where I don't chase after the girl. Yeah. And it's of course having to, but you know, and I don't necessarily feel that every night, but I have to feel what the energy is and whatever the, the person who is enticing me is saying off stage, are you coming Mr. Scrooge? I have to match that. Yeah. All of those things. It's like a, it's like a, uh, it's a chain. All of the things yes. have to link together. And if the audience in order isn't, for it to yeah. you know, be a straight line, if the audience isn't feeling the heartbreak, then I don't need to sell this callous thing yeah. as hard because it's like okay it's a hard thing to like with the the audience being on the same level as you where sometimes depending on the people in there it's almost like a, a more of a, a hesitant feeling mm-hmm. where you have to win them you have to work harder yeah to get them on your side which is also a dangerous trap where then you can start feeling it too much mm-hmm. and then you're like well, this is just not working, and then they resist more. It's kind of like because you know the second you've gone too it's far, like pursuing too. <laughs> someone that's not interested in you. Yes, and you can't stop for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I and want you this, just but know I have that to have this. Like, if you just go a little too far, they might call the cops. <laughs> you got to know that. <laughs> is this is this you coming from personal experience? Or are you like? quote unquote feeling it uh i mean the cops have been i have i don't know if i ever told you this story but i I love these moments i don't know if i ever told you this story Uh, yeah i was doing henry five and i was in beach north dakota north dakota or nebraska no i think it's beach crap it's nebraska or north dakota i can't (laughs) i can't remember i'll have to look it up later but um i think it was north dakota I don't know. Anyway, I was in beach somewhere, North mm-hmm. Dakota or Nebraska. Norway. I was in Does, Norway. Doesn't matter. I was touring, and you just don't know sometimes. But I was definitely in beach because I remember thinking like, hey, maybe there's like a lake or something. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? And there was nothing. I was like, who <laughs> named this beach? <laughs> Look at you. It's You're kind of like freaking this, Nebraska. It's like this whole state's a beach. How about that? So um, anyway, so we were doing Henry V, and I was playing the Dauphin, and... So the f- I was the French prince, 
And that was so close to Fresh Prince. <laughs> I said it was like, is that going to sound like Fresh Prince later? I was the French. Out in West Paris, born and Prince. raised. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Anyway, me and Henry Five, who is Sean Driscoll, is like the most beautiful, nice, amazing human being. Mm-hmm. He and I are having this sword fight. Like, we've been in this epic sword battle. And the whole town is there. They're all watching. And, I mean, there's there's probably like five, six hundred people out, out in the audience. And um, it was outside. And we're in the middle of this sword fight after the, the play has gone on for a long time. And we kind of noticed that there were a bunch of cops somewhere along, like, the start of Act 2. Mm-hmm. And they were just kind of watching. So we were like, oh, whatever. And then in the middle of this battle, I guess they decided it was a really good time to arrest somebody. So they, like, Sean and I are fighting. And I remember I, like, enveloped his sword and we started to grapple where he, like, we are, like, grabbing each other's hands to try to try to pull the other person's blade away. And I said, holy crap, Sean, somebody's getting arrested. And he, like... What? And we like jump apart and start keep fighting. And the next time we got closer, it was like, there's somebody in an arrested. <laughs> the cops had come down. This dude was sitting on the front row. Oh. <laughs> this whole show has been about England and France fighting. The Dauphin teasing Henry V. And about how, you know, these English dogs or they whatever. They watch this show to they see if they can search the for the whole show. <laughs> and then they were like, ah, this is towards the end. We should go get him. At so least they let this person enjoy the show. I, well, I think they were also watching the show. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not going anywhere. So they like watch the whole show. They come down in the this big epic sword fight. They arrest him in front of everybody while Sean and I are fighting, and we're trying so hard to still fight. We slowed a we slowed down a lot to be like, we want to see all this because I had to die eventually, and so <laughs> I was like, I don't kill me yet. <laughs> like that person from Buffy that dies in the movie, <laughs> kicks the it wall just keeps going. Times, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, anyway. They arrest this dude. He leaves. I go off stage. I cannot stop laughing. The minute that I I like die, and I get off, and I'm out there, and I'm just it's so funny. I, never in my life have I done a show where somebody got arrested in the audience. After the show, we're all kind of laughing about it. We were uh, we had been we got changed, and we were putting some stuff in the truck. And this guy comes up, and he was like, "Hey, everybody, I'm real sorry about the arrest." That was my brother. (laughs) He um, really wanted to come see this show, but he skipped out on this court date. And so there was a warrant for his arrest. And I knew that the cops were going to show up because the whole town is here. So the cops knew that the whole town would be there. So they just waited for the show (laughs) before even looking for the guy. Love this. And they arrested him. But this dude who was his brother... Or brother-in-law, I can't totally remember, but it doesn't matter. Owned a liquor store, and he was like, don't worry. Just whatever you guys, everybody can get one thing. I'll go and get all the actors some liquor. Yeah. And it'll be my peace offering that my relative got arrested in the middle of (laughs) the final (laughs) act of your show. So, I mean, I got a bottle of bourbon out of it, which was kind of cool. But I was just so funny thinking about somebody getting arrested. 
And then you know what? Actually, uh, here in Marksville, Glenn, my father-in-law, called the cops on an actor in a show. Do you know that story? I did not. This is a really funny story and one that I think I can tell. We'll okay. see. We'll see. When the, when uh he Glenn doesn't listen. Anyway. He doesn't listen to this. So they had this was a joke, but they had they were doing their show decades that he wrote, mm-hmm. and they have somebody in a car on stage listening to the radio, and it's a it's a musical review show, mm-hmm. and the dude is in the car, and he had a drink, and so what Glenn did because he knew that he had a a drink on stage. Is he got like, like someone, a, not a water, but like an actual like a bourbon, drink, 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 drink. Okay. like a drink, drink and adult beverage. Yes. And uh, so what Glenn did is he asked one of the stage managers to call one of their friends who was a police officer. And on the final performance, he had the guy pulled over in the middle of the show. <laughs> <laughs> So the guy's up there acting, and he's talking about this. He's like driving, you know, fake driving on stage. <laughs> and he had the police officer walk up there and knock on the window. And Scott, um, I can't say his name. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, you were so close. And so, uh, so he like looks over his shoulder and he goes, "What?" And the guy's like, "Roll down the window." Pull over. It's and a sweater. Driver's Thanks license. for noticing. And he's going to give him a sobriety test. <laughs> <laughs> I just still like, I'm, I I hope somewhere that that's recorded because every time they tell me that story, oh, it makes me laugh. That like, is the, so beautiful. One, just the audacity of them to be like, you know what? We know this is happening. Yeah. We're going to wait and we're going to wait and we're going to get a cop. And we're just gonna not say anything. And in the middle of a performance, we're what's just great do is this. you know that that actor was sitting there doing the he scene. Was terrified. All of the actors are on the on and they the all wings, knew, and they're watching. And he's like, "I'm killing it! Oh my oh, gosh, yeah. look at me!" And they all knew. <laughs> I mean, that particular role it wasn't that big of a. It was that particular role is more or less like a an MC in between yeah. the moments, but. Oh man, it's so good. I was like, oh, there's we gotta add that into the show somehow. It's brilliant. I just think that's so so funny. Um, but ultimately, what I what I do want to emphasize is I th- I think that people that haven't been on the stage don't realize how important that audience relationship is to how you emote. Yeah, out. I mean, every audience. You know, there are times I'm in an audience and I think something is really hilarious, but I'm just not. Like, I can look at it and think it's really funny and not laugh. Yeah. And experience it in the same way that as if I were laughing. That's just not where I'm at mm-hmm. in that moment. And I think sometimes in an audience is that way. Like, I know I've gone off stage before, and I, I think I've said this to you or on the podcast before, but I just, I left the stage and then immediately I said, man, this audience sucks. And oh, the director yeah. and the director was like, "How one, Never say that again. How dare you? It is not their job to think you are funny. Mm -hmm. If they are not reacting, that's your job. Your only job is to get them on your team. Yeah. So if they're not, then you're not doing a good job. It is never the audience's fault. Yeah. I think a lot of times I've walked off and said, oh, wow, the audience is really dead tonight. Yeah. that's. I think a better way of saying it, just like Mm -hmm. it's just not reacting 
But I still think it's an honest reaction. But yeah, there are times where you're like, oh man, mm-hmm. I wish this was more fun. Because <laughs> they're just not. <laughs> like I'm digging a ditch tonight. Like everything I'm doing just isn't working. Yeah. And you know, there because there are times I know personally that I've done a show, especially when you do a show for a very long time. When you're on like month five of a show and you're just, you know, you're, you can be on stage and you really think like, man, I'm, I'm like, this is fun. But you're also thinking about, okay, whenever I get home, I need to remember that it's trash night. So I need to put all my stuff out. <laughs> yes. Um, and did, did I need, do I need, I don't know if I got all of my growth. Like, do I need to stop on the way? So I take this to go, but you're doing this all while you're acting. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand what that is. <laughs> you're ordering your takeout. You're or- yes, that like happens all the time. The stage, yeah. That happens all the time where people are like ordering their takeout so that if they have it perfectly timed so that whenever the show like gets to a certain point, they're like, okay, I can have this waitered to my apartment and I'll get there at the exact same time the food does and I don't mm-hmm. have to stop. I mean, it's, which is wild. But I mean, it, so you kind of exist in two planes because it is a job. Yeah. I don't know, um, but I, I do think that that is interesting, that the duality of being able to deliver a performance and then also still sometimes be kind of distracted. Yeah. That's, mm, yeah, anyway, don't really know what that had. I think, I well, no, you say that, but I think about the times that I've lost my place on stage, it's when I'm starting to think about something else. Yeah. Or I think about what my next line is. Mm-hmm. And the thing I have to do is turn your brain off and you you come prepared. You yeah. already know the lines. You know this. Turn your brain off. Just do it. Do what's rehearsed. I wonder what you feel about the, um, you know, there's, there's like this whole sector in the theater world of people that think, just because you were talking about forgetting lines, of people that think that um, if you learn the lines and you work the lines too much, then you lose all of the spontaneity of the performance. So you should not be insanely familiar with the script, basically. It's kind of like you show up to a rehearsal and somebody is still on book Mm -hmm. when they shouldn't be. Which is frustrating. And you're having to work (laughs) with that person. Yeah. But it's kind of like, well, no, I just I haven't looked at this yet. Hmm. So here's my thing. I try to often approach things as being prepared, but not rehearsed because I do know that things can change in rehearsal. Yeah. A lot of times where it's like, Hey, look, this isn't working. We're going to change this. Maybe you enter from over here and then you walk here and then you deliver this line while you're on your way here. So I try to always be ready because I I do feel like I want to be word perfect and honor the the writer. Yeah. In in that way. Like they I, I don't it's know their portion of the yeah. So you should you should do I don't the know. show that's that you've been given. Yeah, I don't I don't know what battles had to be fought to get these particular words in this particular order. I don't I don't know what blood had to be shed to get this here. And I'm sure it was workshopped a hundred thousand times and they know what works oh yeah so that's that's why doing a show with with the playwright in the room yeah is sometimes so frustrating because they have you know they know every word because yeah they're married to the material gone through it and i while i do not achieve word perfect every time if ever 
but <laughs> the <laughs> attempt is there. I see. Yeah, I, I do my best to try and achieve that. But at the same time, when you're working with someone and you do the preparation and you think about all the ways that you can because, OK, I think about it like this. If you know that you're going into a, a conversation with someone and it's going to be an argument, oftentimes I will play out every single scenario that I possibly can in my head. Yeah. And that's the same way that I approach a script when we're doing a show and we're coming in and we're working on, say, we're working on pages you know, 14 through 27 tonight. Okay, let me think about this in every single scenario. And then you get there and then someone throws you a different energy that maybe you didn't think of, right? Yeah. But if you show up and someone hasn't prepared at all, that's when I get frustrated. Because, because it's a waste of time. Yes. Because I think because I get so obsessive about it with reading and, and trying to understand what the character might be going through and then to have your scene partner literally not even remotely think about it at all. And you're just like, well, what I see <sighs> is so like the minute, especially if somebody shows up and they, they get there and they're like, what are we, what pages are we doing? And yeah. then you're like, well, the, it's one, it's on the rehearsal schedule um, that you not only have a full copy of, but you also got an email saying that we would be working on this after the last rehearsal. Yes. Um, so here you are again. They're like, oh, well, uh, can I have those pages? And you like. Where they ask you for those sides or whatever. <laughs> and then immediately what I think is, okay, so when when does the work happen? Yeah. Because I have done the work. The other people in the scene have done the work. And now we are all going to be here to be here when you are going to be doing the things that we've already done. Yeah. But you're... So really what I think it is is a justification of laziness. Mm-hmm. So I, I like think of that whole like, oh, I want the spontaneity of the line to be fresh so, and, and then I'll find it. I think that is the exact same form of thinking as somebody saying like, oh, um, I don't pre-block anything. I don't do anything. That's not how I work. I'm an organic director. <laughs> it's like, yet again, you are lazy. Yeah. Like if you're like organic director to me, like I'm not saying that you have to have every single thing married to it, but there's no way that I do not have an idea in any world, an idea of what the scene is going to look like mm -hmm. and what needs to happen. I'm not saying that it might not change, but to go in there and basically tell everybody that you haven't done the job. Yeah. Like that's what that is. I'm an org. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard. I'm an organic director. What that says to me is this was not important to this person. Right. That they spent literally no time thinking about it. And you're wasting your, your, your own time being here. You're wasting your scene partner, everybody that's in the scene with you, their time, and everyone else that's at that rehearsal. Right. Well, and it's nothing like, you know, you an organic director will say, Okay, so you're about to enter. So where would you be entering from? And then you have to be like, uh, well, my character is upstairs. So I'm going <laughs> to enter from upstairs. So up left. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. So you enter from up left. And then where do you think you would walk? Um. <laughs> yeah. 
But that's, well, see, see, I'm that's so tired, different. so I'm going to go to the couch. Okay, so you're at the couch, <laughs> and how does this other person... So, like, that just... So yes. you're basically having everyone else do I'm your directing job. this show. So the actors direct the show. Now, that, I think, is different than saying, um, okay, so you go here, you go here, you go here. Um, so I need you to be on stage right during this move, and you're on you know, up left or whatever. Yeah. And I am having a hard time just figuring out why you need to go there. I need you there because the picture looks better this Mm -hmm. way. How can you help me out? Like that I think is totally fine. Yeah. With trying to, you know, also work and collaborate with your actor and what needs to happen. And also collaboration when they feel like they need to move on a line and you see the impulse happen. I think you always follow the impulse. Yes. Especially also to say, I feel the impulse to move here. Is that okay? Like, yeah, of course. You can always try everything once. Once. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't work and you're like, I feel the impulse to move. And I say, no. You know, I mean, try it. It didn't work. And I say, no, it didn't work. And then you, somebody's like, well, I'm going to do it every time. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I'm correct and you are or wrong. you'll have those like, actors that no, will not, not do it in rehearsal then do it on then the do it on the performance yeah. i hate that i mean too. i just i think that that's whenever you say i'm an organic director you completely lose all authority on the show because mm-hmm. you don't know it and you're not familiar if you say that you're a spontaneous line learner you want to keep the line spontaneous so you don't work on them at home i think you're lazy and I'm yeah. pretty much point blank on that. Like I just, there's no I'm black the and white. Way. No, yeah. I'm there's like, no. So you're not doing the work. Yeah, there's no gray areas for me because I, I feel like I have to do the work so that I'm not wasting anyone else's time. Like th- that's the thing that is to me is so precious is time, and I think of time as currency. Yeah. And I don't want to waste it. I want to invest it in things that I'm very much interested in or that I love. And if I love theater and I'm interested in theater, then I have to put the time in off the stage so that when we get to rehearsal, we can play well, and, and we can have fun. It makes it so much better. I mean, and I know that on like a, 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 a smaller theater scale, you know, where people are more or less volunteering their time, mm-hmm. then it, it's a little harder to get people to dedicate that to it. However, whenever somebody volunteers because they're super interested in it and then they show up and they're like, look... I haven't been able to work on this for two weeks. Um, I don't know any of it. And I'm sorry. I wish that I did. Like, well, next time, turn that wish into reality. Because I know that there's been some moments in the past two weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's all about what you're choosing to give your time to. Are you going to sit down on the couch and watch Netflix? Or are you going to think about, you know, helping yourself succeed in the future Mm -hmm. and work on your stuff. I I think of it just being prepared because you want to be successful. And it's also like, I want you to be set up for success just as much as you do. Mm -hmm. And I don't like, as the person that's producing it or directing it or acting on stage with you, I, I want this to be the best that it can be for both of us. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to look bad. So the only way that that can happen is if you do the work. When, when I look at it, it's almost like I'm looking at it like a savings account. Like if you're if you're deciding I'm going to put away a hundred dollars every month from yeah. my paycheck, um, 
I'm never going to miss that money. I'm going to make that budget work. And it's the same way with working with your script or sitting down with it yeah. every day. 15 minutes. Yes. 15 minutes out of the day while you're on lunch. You do it like, I mean, literally any anything. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes. I mean, I know for me, whenever I had uh, whenever I had a day job and I was auditioning all the time and doing theater in the city, it was there wasn't a moment when I was not when I was at my day job or whenever I was commuting that I wasn't either going over the lines in my head mm-hmm. or looking at my script on the train or whatever yes. it was, because you have all this free time. I mean, I could have sat there on my phone and not done it. But I, that would not have served me. Would you not know, have served me at all. <laughs> you mentioned the looking at the script thing. And I I remember there was a time when I thought when a show opens, I don't look at the script anymore. What is going to happen is going to happen. Yeah, it's done. And that's a, that's a whole other, like another thing that people teach. Yes. I think of retro, I don't think, I know I have retroactively gone back on that. Yeah. In that. I 100% have. I look at it every day. <laughs> every single day. Every day. When that show opens, Because I used to think open. it was bad luck. Like, that's what I was I did the same told. thing, too, yes. So it was like, if you open your script after opening night, and you look at your, then it's bad luck. I think that that's just, like, other people who aren't, doing what they're supposed to do. And they're like, <laughs> yes. we need to tell these people that this is bad luck so that then they won't notice the fact that what we have essentially changed in the script, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> because we're not, we don't know the right words. And you know, when you do community theater, especially in this area, if, if a show runs for two weekends, you get the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. Yeah. So <laughs> by the time you come back to that Thursday, it's like starting all over again. Yes. For everybody. And, and I know that I haven't done a double weekend show in a very long time, but I feel like I every like at night least a year. Yeah, well, at least a year for sure. But I feel like I have to look at that script every night yeah. and at least run through every line. You know, Al Pacino did American Buffalo for two years, the David Mamet play. And he did that play for two years and he read his script every single day. Mm hmm. Every day before the show, he would read the script. Al Pacino. I mean, it's just, you're already amazing. Right. People are already showing up thinking that you're great. I mean, he he basically had the audience before the show even opened. Yeah. But he's still dedicating the time. Like, every day for two years, and there's somehow you're still discovering new things. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is some commitment. Well, you know, when we did uh, the first Greater Tuna... I say the first, like when we did Greater Tuna um, to, to kind of launch this, whatever we had. It was uh, the first Greater Tuna. It's yeah, the first one because the there's a series of them. Yeah. Um, we had Ty come in uh, and sit down and kind of like look over the script as we're working through it and to tell us what words were missing. It's the longest note session of my entire <laughs> life is all directed to me. Um <laughs> But but at the same time, I, it was one of those things that I needed because we were missing little words here and there that were funny. And, and I, it totally was, changed the... Absolutely. Yeah. And and it was one of those things that I needed to hear, even though I'm looking at the script every night, mm-hmm. I'm still missing those little nuances along the way. Man. And I'm I thankful to at, have that session that we had. At Chicago Shakes, they had the like intern to the assistant stage manager, like their job was to basically watch the script and anytime anyone missed a line 
they would write, they had this little thing, this little card. They would write on the card the line you missed, the like page number that it's on in the script, and they would write it out and say, look at this line. And they would give you that. And there would be times <laughs> where you'd get like 15 cards. <laughs> and you're like, I know that I missed this line. And it would just be this. You you really had to swallow your pride in a way of just being like, okay, I get it. I, I know that I missed it. And I appreciate you so much for making sure that I am doing the best storytelling that I can do. But I'm also trying to keep my ego in check and not be pissed at you for giving me this card when I'm working (laughs) so hard. And it feels like, you know, it's it it, you have this moment of being like, I have worked so hard to memorize this speech. And there's no way that anyone could ever possibly understand what I am doing (laughs) and the emotions that I'm I'm having up here. And I'm still able to give a performance and you give me a card saying that I put an and in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Come on, Rebecca. But you like <laughs> take that and you swallow that and you realize that these people are doing their job too. Yes. And they're helping you do yours. But it's really hard sometimes. Yes. It's really hard. <sighs> I do want to retroactively say that I know I said, you know, come prepared but not rehearsed. When the show opens, do what's rehearsed. Yes. Yeah, you should definitely do do what is, what is rehearsed. I think do that not you should, change it. You do definitely prank, need to do, do the do work at your house. You need to work your portion of the script. When the show is blocked and set, that is what you should do. Mm-hmm. You should also be open to the fact that we are, you know, basically in a controlled chaos machine, and you should be ready for surprises. Yes, and to deal with them. But if you are manufacturing surprises, then you are on the opposing team. You're not yes. on the team for the show. <laughs> yes. Wherein I'm saying that, but I also think it's freaking hilarious that they had that cop show up and not tell that actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That sort I think of that stuff that was is hilarious. Totally earned yeah. for that moment. I also like I heard this really funny story about um Anthony Hopkins in this show in, at the National Theater, where he in this scene had to be in a a kimono with like this big stick. And I think that it was, I think the show is called present laughter. I think that's what he was doing. And, um, I can't remember the actor's name that was in the show with him, but oh, he's like one of my favorites. I can't believe I can't remember this guy's name. He's Michael he, Shannon. No. Um, I do love, you know, I'd love Michael Shannon. Holly Shore. Uh, oddly enough. No. Uh, but he is, Sorry, I got myself off guard with yeah, that. Yeah, son in law. That's a biodome, is my favorite. Um, Hello, buddy. <laughs> Leaning Tower of Cheese. <laughs> Could you imagine him and Anthony Hopkins in the same room? Oh, my gosh. It would be hilarious. Sir Anthony Hopkins, by the way. Um, so, the, the guys, he's in, oh, he's in so many good things. I'm going to kill, I'm just going to be so mad at myself listening to this again. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So he's up there and he's doing the show and there's this guy that showed up and came and sat on the front row. It was, this was at the Olivier Theater. Mm-hmm. And the the front row of that theater is super close to the stage. So this guy showed up in shorts to the theater and like threw his feet up on the stage, like propped his feet up on the stage. And 
Sir Anthony is up there with his six-foot bamboo stick and this flower kimono. And he's doing this whole thing and sees this dude. And, the, you know, when the, when the audience is that close, there's no way the front row is not going to have some light bleed from the stage. Yeah. So everyone in that theater can see this and see this guy's feet up there. And Sir Anthony apparently just, like, rushes down, swings that bamboo stick, and just stops it like an inch from this dude's face. Like, hitting this dude's face. And the entire audience just fell completely silent. Like they were all laughing before because he was doing some kind of like gesture with it or something. And then he swings it down at this dude's face and everybody just goes. <gasps> and the other guy's next line was, I don't know, boss. I think you're starting to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marlon Brando. No, it wasn't Marlon That's the actor Marlon we could never remember, but never maybe it was his him. Name. It wasn't him. Okay. This is the guy from the only movie that I can think right now that he's in that I think is so funny is Love Actually. And he's the rock star in Love Actually. Jack Black? No. God, Jack Black. Andrew Lincoln? No. My God, I shouldn't play this game with you anymore. You're just naming <laughs> actors. No, they are in that movie, actually. He's, he is. Jack Black's not in that movie. Yes, he is. He's no, like he Kate Winslet's not. love interest. No, that is The Holiday. Oh. <laughs> it's not the not at all this movie. I think I just admitted to have never seen Love Actually. So in the spirit of uh admitting things, um why don't we uh why don't we call it here? Listen, if you wanna if you wanna just throw out a bomb like you just exploded <laughs> on this <laughs> podcast carpet. Yeah. That you have never seen my favorite holiday movie. That We're is not gonna, we're just going to, after this, we're just going to sit down. We're going to curl up in front of the fire. I'll turn the air conditioner on way low. We'll light the fire. <laughs> we'll snuggle up, and we're going to watch Love place. Actually. I do have a fireplace. Okay, you do, but you don't have a fire in there. <laughs> but I'll do it, and we'll watch Love Actually, and you will cry. Okay. You will cry your little baby tears out. Here we go. Um, hey, uh, Chris, I want to go to bed. Okay. And uh, so does apparently everyone in Singapore. So uh, I'll see you later. Okay. All right. So, hey, that is Christophanopoulos. And that was Cody. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.